Hello, everyone, and welcome to Griplock Foundation Disc Golf's weekly podcast. I'm Hunter, joined, as always, by Trevor, and this show we've got, um, uh, you know, quite a bit to talk about from just one tournament. Yeah. Uh, so pretty much all that happened last week was the MVP Open. I say all that happened. A lot happened there. Um, and we have a few different talking points from that. We'll go over the results really quick um, and then kind of get into those talking points. If you followed the MVP Open, you're probably not going to be surprised at anything we're about to talk about. Yeah. So um, I'll just go through the results really fast. On the MPO side, we had Paul taking it down by four strokes over Ricky and then Calvin Heimberg coming in third. On the FPO side, we had Paige Pierce winning for her sixth time. Yeah, I I didn't know that, and then when they, it's, I saw that stat on Instagram, I yeah. was like, I was like, six time what? Like I just saw the years up there, and then I was like, <laughs> oh wow, she's won that six times. Yeah, and apparently it would have been seven had she won in twenty. I guess it's eighteen is when she lost. I guess so. Yeah, because she went like twenty fourteen or whenever it started through 2017 lost in 2018 then won 2019 2020 Mm -hmm. really impressive um but sarah hokum only lost by one stroke so she came in second and then we had heather young coming in third and i saw prodigy congratulating her on uh her first ever thousand rated round wow uh which it's unofficial you know ratings but um yeah first ever thousand rated round so that's a pretty big thing and then the final part of the results is the dark horse pick in which you finally won yes I mean, neither of the scores were, what was it, like, plus 15, plus 17? I think it was 14 and 16. 14 and 16, so, like, they didn't do great, but my man, Sam Streeter. Yeah, took down my boy, Casey Gonta. He did um, So, before three, we get... 3-2 the series now. Yeah, 3-2. It, it's, I'm coming we, back. It's You're going to blow a 3-1 lead. Well, we got, what, what do we have left? We have Jonesboro coming up, and then we have... USDGC, which can we really do one at USDGC? We'll have to yeah, see. Yeah, there'll we be might Monday qualifiers. But do you think there'll be two players below 980? There might be. There might be. But we might have to change the rules for that. We'll have to see when we get yeah. how many players there are below it. Um, and then, and then the, the Pro Tour finale, which depending on the format, that might be hard. Yeah. It, if it's the bracket format, which I haven't heard anything about it yet. If it's, if it's the bracket format yet, though, then that might be a difficult one to pick a Dark Horse right. pick. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, until then, uh, the only other storyline before we get into the like main storylines is the baller move by Paul Macbeth that is showing up to the freaking course on the final day when you're down by two strokes with swim trunks ready to go. Yeah, that's confident. Which first off, our picks last week were completely wrong across the board. Yeah, they were pretty awful. I mean, I think I had Paige and Sarah in my top three. But on the MPO side, I had Ricky first, Paul second. I think Dickerson third. I mean... I'm, I know neither of us picked Paul. That's pretty no, much right. No, I'm pretty sure I had... I'm pretty sure... Didn't I even yank Paul out of my top three for something? I don't think you put Paul in your top three at all, yeah. That was out of spite, though. That wasn't really <laughs> sensible. That was just spiteful. But yeah, so Paul made us eat our words. Uh, finally... Thank goodness. You know, he he was in a four tournament slump, quote unquote. Yeah, whatever that is. Um, but Imagine. You know, yeah, he, he came, <laughs> yeah, I'm in a 52 tournament. I'm slump. in a slump since 2014. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he he took it down. But yeah, I mean, imagine the confidence. Which I mean, this shouldn't be a surprise because it's coming from Paul. But you're not staying on the course, and you know, okay, I guess there is one scenario I haven't thought through. The possibility that after his round, he drove to wherever he was staying to get swim trunks and came back. 
but that kind of just destroys, that destroys the, story. the myth you gotta it's like one of those bo jackson type legend things <laughs> you just gotta build like, it up yeah we just gotta like keep talking about it like like no he actually had him buried on hole 18 he buried him there <laughs> last year after <laughs> and then and he just dug him up <laughs> yeah regardless you know it, it at least like perception wise was a baller move. honestly though like I, the more i think about it it's like do we need swim trunks to be jumping in a lake to no. celebrate like is that no. extra i think that's extra it's extra but it's like but yeah, it is i knew i was gonna win so i brought these swim that, trunks. that's the only thing that makes it cool yeah i think <laughs> regardless it was a pretty baller move um but yeah unless he went home and changed i didn't think through that I doubt it. I doubt it. Too. I don't we're, think we're, care that much. we're sticking with he brought him to the course knowing he was going to make his two-stroke comeback. Right. Which you might be saying two strokes. I thought it was three strokes. Yeah. Look at that transition. Uh, so there's basically a few different rules calls. Um, and we're going to talk through, I think, from... Pretty spicy rules calls. Most controversial to least controversial is the order I'm going to go with. We have four ones that kind of happened all at this tournament, and they all speak to a different aspect of tournament play that um, I think we can, like, as casual players, tournament players, TDs, all learn something from each one of these. Right. Something different. Paul's um, has got to be the top one, right? Yeah, Paul's is the most controversial. <laughs> Shocking. So... I'm going to just read you the OB rules on hole eight before we ever get into this and talk about what did happen, what should have happened, and our opinions on it. Also, important to mention before this that I'm this one, one, two, three, all except one of these rules, these rulings, like didn't really have a big effect on the tournament. No. Like this one would not have changed whether or not Paul won. won what do you mean all won. but one? The page one. It still didn't have a, it, in it the old, have. but it could have. Yeah, these other ones, like momentum, is something to be said. But like the rest of these, like none of these were like, oh my gosh, we're not saying in any of these that like somebody else could have won. Yeah, they're just rules that they're just interesting. Yeah, they're they're definitely interesting to talk about. So this happened on the infamous hole eight. Um, basically, if you don't know what this hole is, it's the one that Paul aced, yeah. Brinster aced. Um, both in this tournament goes over the water and then the basket's kind of perched up on the other side there's ob deep and there's the ob water in front so the the t sign and the caddy book state this pond is ob over the string line one meter in front of adwall long of green is ob if ob on land traditional ob rules apply two drop zones if t shot lands ob in the water proceed to drop zone one shooting three if shot from drop zone one, lands will be in the water. Proceed to drop zone two, shooting five. So, where the controversy comes in yeah. is Paul threw OB deep. So, he went over the string line, one meter in front of the ad wall, long of the green. But, long of the green to the right, there is a pond that Paul's disc found. Right. So, Paul's disc was OB long, but in a pond. There's also the string. Yeah. That's the key point. And so the string does continue in front of that pond. Right. And um, there's land in between the string. So there's the string doe B on the back side of the island. Then there's a little teeny strip of land. Yes. Then there's the pond. Because if there was no string there and it was really just the pond, I don't think there would have been much confusion. Well, that's the thing. Um, so there's another important part of this is that this isn't an island green. There right. is a peninsula of land that connects it. Meaning that the OB rules don't, you don't treat this as an island. Correct. Um, so you don't have to make the island. So 
there was kind of two arguments, right? There was, and Steve Dodge was there, which is an important part. Mm-hmm. He was on this card, not on it playing, but he was walking with the card. The yeah. TD who has the final say is on this card. Um, so Paul immediately like just starts walking up to his disc because he went OB deep. And then I think it was, I'm trying to think of how, I know Fit, Andrew Fish was the one that pulled out the caddy book and was like showing it to Paul, talking to Paul with it. But I don't know how Andrew Fish or anyone on the card would have known he was in the water. So unless like a, so, somehow they might've been telling Paul, Hey, you might need to play a provisional. It looks like you went in this pond deep. Yeah. Um, so they said, you know, it says on the, in the caddy book, if T shot lands, OB in the water, proceed to drop zone one. Right. So Paul calls a provisional proceeds to drop zone one, throws that shot. Um, mm-hmm. and then Paul proceeds up to, um, which I think that shot went OB deep. Yeah. From the drop zone. Yeah. So Paul's shot from the drop zone went OBD, but stayed on land. So then Paul proceeds up to where his lie is, and it's in the water past the string. So Paul is saying, you know, the, the TD, Steve Dodge is there and says, yeah, so since it's in the water, you play from the drop zone one. Paul basically goes, and you can see all of this. If you have the Disc Golf Network, you can go back and rewatch this mm-hmm. um, and hear these conversations happening. It's very interesting. Steve Dodge is saying... Well, it doesn't matter. You're OB in the water. The caddy book says OB in water, go to drop zone. And Paul's like, right. well, if I was a six inches shorter and I'm touching the land, would I still go to the drop zone? Yeah. And then Dodge was like, um, no. no. And, or at first I think Dodge said, yeah. But Paul said, well, this is the same string. And then once yeah. Dodge realized it's the same string, he's like, uh, and just kind of like his brain froze. Yeah. So. Never a good look. What I thought was very interesting so, so dodge basically on the spot told paul you need to go drop zone one right. that is the ruling paul being a smart player that he is because i would have never done this the td's there the td made the call paul continues to play out his provisionals right to get both scores very smart finish the rest of the round so one resulted in five one resulted in a four because as soon as you i mean for those of you if you, those of you do not know who what a provisional is you're basically getting you're playing a second disc whenever there's a ruling that's in dispute or you're not sure on you can declare a provisional play a second disc essentially a second shot this is in ball golf too and that way if there's no rules official it's, it's a little unique because the td was there so usually yeah. you wouldn't need to play a provisional if the td's there because they should just be able to say something and that's final I which mean, he did, which is what's confusing. Right. Well, not really confusing to me, but But you still have me. the right to play out that the provisional. Usually you would do it if there is no TD and you want to dispute it after the round. Yeah, that's the whole and point you, of the provisional. Yeah, that's the point. But so this is unique in where the TD said what he was going to say and Paul still played the provisional, basically saying to himself, I'm going to fight this after the round. Yeah, so, so Paul... Which is interesting. So Paul basically, yeah, like you said, said, I'm going to fight this after the round. He didn't physically say it. Like he, that, those words didn't come out of his mouth, no. but by his play, that's what he was saying. Well, yeah. Um, so he plays out his provisional, gets a five and a four. Then after the round, he appeals to the TD again, Steve Dodge again, and right. explains like, look, once I go OB deep, it shouldn't matter where my disc lands, which is a very valid point. Yeah, because basically he's saying um, because there's land back there, he's saying when without the island rule, like when you go, when he crossed OB, he should be able to play from where he went out OB there. Yeah, because it's not, not an island. Because, yeah, it's not an island. So the water isn't defining the OB. It's a string that's defining the OB. So to wrap up that story, and then we'll give our opinions and talk about a yeah. few things that I think will be interesting. To wrap up the story, basically what ended up happening is Steve Dodge reviewed it that night mm. and the next morning gave Paul the stroke. Which is crazy. So Paul went from a three-stroke deficit to a two-stroke deficit. In the end, he won by four. Didn't matter. Yeah. 
could have changed the tournament though completely. It could have mattered. Um, now, I want your opinion on this, and I think this is where we'll get into a little bit of a debate, possibly. Um, well, there's a two-part question, so I'll ask you the first part now. Was Steve Dodge's decision to reverse the call right? No, absolutely not. Okay, yeah, I agree there. <laughs> so, it, Steve Dodge, when you get caught in a, in maybe like maybe he made a mistake, maybe he didn't. It's tough to say. I I don't think he's kind of covered a little bit because of the fact that the T sign did say if it lands in water, take it from drop zone one. It says it said the pond. It should have said water probably or ponds plural. That's prop. That's tricky, but it was close enough that he he you know he stuck to his ruling initially and the right thing would have been to just stick to it like yeah. hold your ground because the fact that he got moved like that that opens the door for other players well what i'm curious and there's there's kind of two parts to this one did other players play it that way if anyone found the ob right. water did they go oh i'm, OB I'm sure water. they did um the second thing is so what the t sign is relatively clear yeah the t sign wording if you're in water you go to here the T sign, as far as the OB, is confusing mm -hmm. to where Paul has a valid point. And the way Paul wanted to play it is probably the way the whole should have been right, worded. Right. But the fact of the matter is that's not how it was worded. Yeah. What I'm wondering is if over the course of the night, after they presented it, Paul, you know, the, the round's over, he presents it to Steve Dodge, and Steve Dodge you know, goes on the rest of the night. Did, because it said he talked to the PDGA, talked to the Pro Tour, and talked to people. To me, how I read this, I don't know that PDGA-wise, the way the rules are stated is legal. So that's where I'm wondering if this came in, this rule change came in. Because the way it's basically playing is weird. Because So if you go OB deep in you know, one spot, you're safe. If you go OB deep in the next spot, not safe. You're playing from land. OB, this next spot, it's requiring you to come all the way back when you crossed over land. Right. The only so, difference is the water. Yeah, it's almost treating it like an island when it's not an island green. The second thing that's confusing, right, is... Um, sorry, I was getting a phone call and I was confused. Um, which, actually, it's not confusing. I saw people complaining about this online, but the, the T sign's pretty clear. People online were saying the OB water thing's dumb because that's saying if you airball a putt in the water, you have to go to the drop zone, but that's not what it says at all. It says if T shot no. lands in the water. Yeah. So that argument, if you read the, the T sign is, is completely invalid, but I'm wondering if it was the PDGA that forced Dodge to overturn the call. Yeah. I would like to think if he was willing to hold, he, he like multiple times held his ground. So like there had to be an external force that like shifted his mind. Yeah. I would think. The, I mean, that's what I that's what I think had to have happened because yes, the OB the OB was wrongly laid out as to the wording on how it was played. The OB playing should have been if OB longer the basket, proceed to where you crawl, last crossed and bound. If OB short in the water, proceed to the drop zone. That would that should have been it. I'm definitely gonna get I'm gonna get his first hand opinion on this and see if he knows. because yeah. <laughs> I'm very curious well, to know. How so that here's came. my secondary question. Like, did he like take Steve Dodge out to dinner and like <laughs> just like slowly convince him? <laughs> well, here's my second question: If this wasn't Paul, does that's, the call get yeah, reversed? Yeah, right. That's that's. I'm saying no. Well, there's probably a handful of players. Yes, I think if it's still like a Ricky and Eagle, you know what, whoever. 
If it's some nobody, not a chance that gets reversed. So to me, unless I mean the thing you said about the PDGA, but the thing is, I don't think some nobody would have made it to the PDGA if I walked up there and said, "Look, and I'm here. Why is this well, telling me to go to the drop zone?" I think the big thing is, I don't think some nobody is playing out their second provisional all the way, like as if they're gonna get it changed. Like a lot of people wouldn't be. Well, look at it this that. way, right? Like if I'm some nobody, I don't have dodge on my card. Yeah. So if realistically the group can a lot of times just convince people what's right yeah and that's what i'm gonna say realistically if i'm in this group and i see someone go ob deep and at least to me i'm never even thinking oh he's in water he goes to the drop zone that question's never coming to my head because if you look at the t sign which uh, i'll throw it up here in between us if you look at this t sign the ob deep of the basket it's all red it's all like you can even see the pond in the red right so you can see you can see the pond in the red so, so it's all the same. Yeah. So to me, I'm looking map. at that as your OB deep. You take it like how Paul eventually got the ruling switch to. So if it's if this is my card, I'm playing That's on. almost like the key thing there is like all of that OB on the T sign is interpreted the same way. Like it's all in that red space. Yeah. Regardless so of if it's water. That's where if I'm on that card, I'm never even questioning I go to the drop zone. And I'm never questioning if you're on my card and you did it, you're going to the drop zone. But someone on the card did question it. Yeah. Um, which is the right thing to do because clearly the the T sign says you would go to the drop zone. Yeah. So whoever on the card brought it up, whether it was Andrew Fish or someone else on the card, was correct in bringing it up to Paul and it's saying, just, "Hey, yeah. you, you know, it looks like you should go to the drop zone based on the ruling." It's one of those things they, they like. You would have to anticipate that happening, like when you're laying out the rules for that course, and like you have to know there's going to be some kind of discrepancy there. Like people are yeah. going to be confused. Like well, that's confusing. where. You know, one of my things I've learned as a TD um, and I've learned from playing events is when you're doing OB rules, you have to make them as clear as day and as simple as possible. Right. To ask, like, you have to ask yourself questions that you're like, there's no way someone's going to ask this. Well, somebody who's trying to get a call in their favor will ask the dumb questions. Well, like, for instance, I played a tournament this past weekend. I'll do it too. (laughs) I played a tournament this past weekend and there was two different rules things. It was, you know, someone's first time TDing an event. Neither of these were big deals. Yeah. Uh, and neither of them resulted in anything. But it's the type of stuff that if what I'm about to talk about happened at a pro tour, it would have been a big deal. So the first was the painted line mm-hmm. wasn't defined if the painted line itself was inbounds or out of bounds. So if the line was safe. And if lines it's are, the inside edge or outside edge of the line. So uh, Usually the whole line should be safe, I would think. Yeah. So, yeah. And they said technically they, they were playing the inside line was the line. So the line itself was OB. But we didn't have a call, you know, come up against it because we had someone land with half their disc on the line. And what was the other half? In or out? Out, out of bounds. Half the disc was on the line. So I looked at it and I was like, I looked at the caddy book. I'm like, it doesn't say anything about the OB line. So I'm giving it to you. You're in. And everyone yeah. on my card agreed. They're like, yeah, I mean, if it, do- it doesn't say anything, so you're in. And then I didn't think about it after the round because on that same hole, we had a provisional because if you play in a tournament, and you see an OB line. And this is the type of stuff you need to know the rules so that you can fight for yourself. Mm-hmm. If you see an OB line, wherever that OB line ends, it continues indefinitely in that direction. Right, right. And so on the T sign, they had an L shape, right? But they only painted the left edge. Mm. So it stopped going straight. So there's two people that went OB to the right side of it. So I gave them, I told them, play a provisional because I don't know what the TD is going to say, but take this spot here which would be if the OB continued indefinitely, which is what the PDGA rules say, or if you followed the caddy book, yeah. it goes this way. Uh, and so they played it out. It turns out they wanted the OB to go left or right, whatever it is. They didn't paint it. They let them play from there. That's the TD's decision. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, it is. Um, it ended up being beneficial to the players. 
Uh, so it worked out great. Doesn't matter. But stuff like that. Yeah. Where when I um, when you're painting an OB line, you're never thinking about that. Right. You know, when if you your first time running a tournament, you're not thinking if a disc lands, you know, a centimeter onto the line, is that in or out? Yeah, you got to expect the things, everything to happen. Exactly. That happen. And so if you're dodge and you're doing this, when you wrote pond is OB, you know, in his head he's thinking the front pond, and if he says OB passed, you know he's thinking that OB passed. It probably honestly never crossed his mind OB deep in this one random pond way off to the right. Yeah. Because it's very hard to get to that pond where Paul's disc got to. Mm -hmm. There's a chance Paul was the only player that got there all weekend. Yeah. But there's also a chance that three players did and they might have all played it differently, which is the key. Right. Because that's where when the tournament's coming down to the wire, you know, if you have several players who have played it differently, strokes could go. Because if you're playing from where Paul took his second one, you have a putt at it. Right. If you're throwing from the drop zone. It's a tough shot. The best thing you're getting is a four. Right. You're probably, you might get more. Yeah, it's not easy. Um, But so that was only rules question number one yeah which i do i do think it's a interesting point of that's probably the if most my name's not one. paul Macbeth, am i getting that call or if my name's not ricky i think Eagle. it's more like if my attitude isn't that of paul Macbeth, like to actually like pursue that rule change yeah that's also true because like i said previously a lot of people would have gave up if steve dodge said that as soon as steve dodge is like well yeah you're in the water you know i might have argued the rule more but i wouldn't have played my provisional out so again where knowing the rules and pushing them to your advantage works out yeah luckily that didn't affect the tournament if that if paul won by one stroke there'd be a lot of talk <laughs> yeah that wouldn't be good i if i was ricky and paul won by one stroke i would be fuming at dodge pretty heated yeah um and then this would be a much bigger story still a story but not nearly as big um now this story we do have a again it didn't affect the direct result of the tournament but it was a lot closer to yeah um and that is the page pierce slash sarah hokum hole nine yeah situation um which i put both of them in it because they were the only two ones that actually were active in it um we'll talk about yeah, why well, that's an issue yeah exactly i was gonna say the other two were involved but they were involved in the fact that they weren't yeah, <laughs> yeah. so basically what happened here if you didn't see was what round was this in? it was also round two, two correct yeah round two is just full of things man all kinds of excitement. uh so page pierce hole nine it's a par four you throw kind of like up over this little hill and then down onto a technical peninsula green but it basically looks like an island um and you throw onto that green uh it's a par four so Paige threw her second shot going for the green for the birdie ob off the right side of the island it was basically deep right of the basket yeah. is where her disc ended up they get up there sarah walks up looks at the disc looks back at her lie and said like look based on my vision of the shot based on what i saw of the shot your lie is behind this little bush right on the other side page goes what the heck no way like my disc it's impossible for my disc to be where it's at and have it would have to go through this bush mm -hmm. which the, no disc was getting through that thing i, I would have put myself here which is like four feet from the basket so you have this immediate disagreement between sarah hokum and page pierce page pierce being the person who threw the shot sarah hokum being the person who watched the shot and gave her a spot yeah it's the majority's decision right so the problem is there can be no majority yeah because so, you've got cat who's like tapping out her putt like not like oh sorry i didn't see the shot yeah and then lisa the same way but, well lisa never well she did she lisa might have seen never it said she anything. just didn't say anything yeah so katrina allen was very apologetic multiple times said i didn't see the shot i'm sorry like if i took a if i gave you a spot i would just be blindly guessing which i feel is wrong fair enough that <laughs> part of the statement i agree with but like you need to pay attention but the pdga rules say you have to watch every shot. Yeah. In theory, I don't know what the 
actual violation, but Paige could have called her Katrina on something there. Would have made though. this. That would be the most despicable call of all time. You absolutely time. could. <laughs> you didn't watch my shot. Yeah, that's <laughs> if I, I got it's called a, it's on a that. Courtesy violation. The <laughs> yeah. first one's a warning, but yeah. it's in the PDJ rule book. You have I, to watch every yeah. shot. That's just like good etiquette, though. Yeah, I, that's why Paige didn't call yeah. it. I'm just saying, if she wanted to get real technical and she was having <laughs> a real hilarious. bad day, she could have been like, "Oh, okay, well, cat, here's a courtesy violation." That's like getting mad at your mom for not watching you throw or something. Like you weren't paying attention. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, come on, mom, did you not see that throw? <laughs> yeah, what? Sick. Um, but. So Lisa was the only other one that we don't know if Lisa saw the shot or what Lisa really said, but she just kind of know what she saw. (laughs) She went along with Sarah Hokum. Yeah. And so Paige steps up to her putt and literally verbally says, this is about the worst spot you could have possibly given me. And it was pretty bad. So this situation, um, I don't think it's on Sarah or Paige at all. Cause I think Sarah was being honest. Okay. I it's mean, a little bit on Sarah to the point of, let's say that her disc crossed where Sarah thought it crossed. Okay. You're 250 feet away. You can't tell if her spot's on the back side of that bush or the front side of the yeah. bush. Well, and the thing is, like, Paige has the best angle. And, like, the camera shot that shows her throw, it's pretty much right behind Paige. So, our angle is pretty decent. And it does look like it went to the right side of the bush, not through it. Where her, So her spot should have been where Paige thought it was. It but was close to if, the bush. Yeah, if you're Sarah there, like, and this was this is a close event. The thing is, like, if you're, if this is me, like, I'm never, I'm always giving my opponents benefit of the doubt. Unless I'm like, yeah, right, like, that wasn't even close. Well, see, here's the thing about benefit of the doubt. The whole thing of benefit goes to the player is if the card can't make a majority decision, yeah. benefit goes to the player. Right. This card, from what I could hear on Disc Golf Network, couldn't make a majority decision. Yeah. Well, I think that's Paige not wanting to be like that, though. Like not wanting to just like. But I don't even think it's not. That's the thing is, it's not up to Paige. That should have been Lisa or Cat. Cat should have been like, "Look, I didn't see the shot. Yeah. I can't side with either of you. Lisa, did you see anything? Give Lisa a voice. Right. If Lisa goes, to be honest with you, you know, I think it's kind of in between. Yeah, it was kind of rushed. Then it should have been one of honestly. It should have been Cat or Lisa saying, well, we can't come to majority decision, so the benefit goes to the player, right? which is here. Um, The other thing that wasn't consulted was the spotter, which I know the spotter is not an official. The spotter, when it comes to actually making the rules call. That's a paid volunteer. A paying volunteer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Not paid. Paying, yeah. Different. Um, The spotter, though, Yes, they're not an official. Yes, their say has no... Like, if a spotter gives me a spot right next to the basket, my card has every right to say, you never touched and land, your spot's 300 feet back. It's up to the card. But the spotter was also the one with a better vantage point. So, you know, the spotter could have at least been said, like, well, where did you... What did you think? You know, yeah. hear their opinion. So, I, to me, Paige's spot should have been where Paige wanted it, right. which was closer to the basket. Or at least happy medium on the other side of the bush. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't want to say it was Sarah doing it intentionally because there's no evidence of that. Yeah, but it's not a good look because I mean, if she would have put her on the other side of the bush, closer to the basket, no one bats an eye. Right. You know, Paige. It's a little worse than what Paige wanted. You know, what whatever. But where she put her on the back side of that bush. Even Valerie Jenkins was like, this is insane. Like, that was a horrible spot. There's no way her disc crossed there. Yeah. Because it's even, like, behind trees. 
Like her disc would have I had to hit something to get to where I don't know that if it's spot the was. worst spot of all time, just because I can't quite tell from the angle. But I do know that, like, especially when I'm, I'm thinking because of where Sarah ended up, I'm thinking she was to the left of Paige. I might be wrong, but I'm thinking she was to the left of Paige. So, like, if you're to the, even if she's to the right or the left of Paige, if she's not standing directly behind Paige, then you got to know in your head that your angle was not perfect. Yeah. So, if she's to the left of Paige, then yeah, it probably did look like it went right through that bush. But if you get up to it and look at it, you should probably realize that nothing was going through that bush. So. I'm not going to say it was the worst spot of all time, but, like, it was pretty inconsiderate. It was close, yeah. Like I, It wasn't great. The accurate spot probably would have been in between both of them. Yeah. It just wasn't very considerate. It was a little, it was a little mean. Yeah, and that's where... Which, hey, maybe that's what we want. <laughs> I don't know. It definitely sparked some controversy because, you know, at the, in the end, there was a one-stroke leap, like, page one by one. Yeah. So, so worst-case scenario, or best-case scenario, page wins by two. Right. But you don't know how that affects the mentality. Paige could have easily ended up losing this tournament by one or something like that. Well, she was ticked and off. Then, like that, that hurts. That, that can hurt some people's game. Like, yeah, you could tell she was really frustrated. I Which, wish she would have stepped up and just banged that putt. But she had the right to be frustrated in my head. Oh, if I'm yeah. a player, I'm yeah. not. And again, this is where if I'm Paige, I'm not coming after Sarah. Like if you're Sarah in this situation, I'm not coming after you. I'm going other two card mates. Hello, like yeah. I, I can't really make my own voice heard in this. Yeah. It's me and one other person. You know, y'all have to say something. You have to agree or disagree. And, and Lisa basically agreed with Sarah, but didn't really say it. Lisa didn't like get up in the action and look and be like, I don't know, like this, that. Kat literally tapped out, apologized to the camera for tapping out, laughed and walked away. That was weird. That was weird. I feel like I was on some kind of YouTube vlog. Like I understand. I'm sorry I didn't see it. I get that. You can't go back and watch something. You, but you can look at the disc, look at where the lie is, say, here, what what did you see? What did you see? There's no one behind you. You're the last card off that day. What are you, like, what are you holding up? There, It was very... It was interesting. It was like a... That happens on the final day. They're t- talking about it way longer. I think it was because it was round two that they, she was able to move on. I guess. I just... I Watching that, and I watched it several times... I was very surprised at the lack of negotiation, I guess, that went Yeah, down. it definitely was a lot faster. Because I think Paige was basically like, think. "I ha- like no one's going to say anything. Like You're really just going to let this happen. And then Kat, by the time Paige had putted, was literally like halfway to the <laughs> next hole. Yeah, what is up with And that? Lisa was standing next to Paige's disc, kind of like looking back, saying, eh, that's about it, yeah. and then picked up the disc. So to me... This call isn't on Sarah. It's not on Paige. It's on Kat and Lisa. They, One of them or both of them needed to step up, make their opinions heard. I would agree. Um, so that's, you know, two different things. It's one with the TD, one with the card. Now we're going to the player themselves understanding the OB rules, which is Simon Lazat. Um, so this was during round one. He goes steps up to hole um, five. I believe it is hole five. Which is, if you haven't watched the tournament, it's a forehand hole, or you can go backhand Anheuser out over the water, bring it back in to the green. He threw the backhand, I believe. Tough backhand. Yeah. He threw it, and so the the T sign just says, pond is OB. Right. That's that. If your shot's OB, you go to and the And there's nothing else marked on the T sign. No. Other than that it's OB. It just pond. says, pond is OB. Yeah. He throws his shot. 
lands inside the Pro Tour ad walls somehow, which this is extremely unlucky because if this doesn't happen, none of this matters. Somehow his disc slides between them slash under them and ends up on the backside of them. The spotter waves their flag OB. Okay. Problem number one. Yeah. The spotter spotter says that's OB. Well, he paid to be there. (laughs) Problem number two. Simon goes to the drop zone. Doesn't seem to call a provisional. He, I would assume from his angle, he could see that he went over the wall. Well, that's the question is, could he? Or, or is, well, he went over the wall, like to the right of the basket. So like he had, no, it, was, no- it was back left. Okay. I was just saying, cause like this, he, if he knows he's not in the water, then he should know that he's not OB. But that's the tough part. Cause that, if he just sees a red flag then and he can't tell if he went in the water or not, then he probably thinks he, he's in the he water. He might've said provisional, like he might've called it, but he didn't play them both out. If that makes sense. Yeah, we don't. I don't know for sure he didn't call it, but he didn't play it. Right. If that makes sense. Um, so he goes up to the drop zone, throws his shot short, still safe though. Throws a short, safe in the drop zone, runs his putt. His putt lands next to his drive behind the ad wall, both on land. He takes that as another OB stroke, then takes his meter in from the ad wall, taps out. So, so is that flat out? Ill- is that flat out illegal? Because he took a, essentially he took a meter closer to the basket when he wasn't OB. But he'd already taken penalty, so technically... <laughs> like, you just can't you can't do that. Like, if he was taking relief from the wall, even if it was just, like, casual relief, he has to take it further from the wall, or further from the basket. Well, I don't think it... So, it was up to the group. Technically, yeah. That's a whole mess right there. It's a lot going on, because... <laughs> because, yeah, he... He, he took unnecess- two unnecessary... He, he should have had a putt for two, and took a six on the hole. <laughs> so, he took multiple unnecessary penalty strokes. Yeah, and then cheated... <laughs> And then technically, I mean, obviously, it's not like, yeah, it's not like he knew A and B. It's not like it didn't help help him him at all. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm not coming after him, but. But uh, very interesting. So first off, yes, this is on Simon. There's no doubt about that. This is on. But it's also a little bit on the Pro Tour because that's confusing. Pro Tour because you got, you're going to see, you just perceive the ad wall as the defining line. Right. They're OB like all the time. Like they're always used as OB. So yeah. whenever you, I understand like wanting to put up, I mean, they're sponsor walls. So like, and did these ones, who was on these walls? That's the question. Do you remember? Was it like just Pro Tour's logo? Pro Tour logo. Wow, that's a little different. I was going to say, cause like, I understand like you have to put these walls up. Uh, cause they have like a lot of people pay for them. Yeah. But if you're going to do that, you better be really clear that they're not OB because that, yeah, I would have thought it was OB too. I think everyone did. Cause even yeah. on his card, no one told him. Yeah. And, it was a very confusing situation mm. because like if you the whole thing came down to like not reading the t sign yeah but, but not really yeah but like because it looks OB, so visually. yeah ob like that hole should be like seems really self-explanatory as a player like you see obviously you know the water's ob but you also see the wall so you're thinking okay i have to land inside that wall yeah if i'm inside that wall i'm safe yeah that's like what you're thinking and especially when you're in like the tournament mode like in your zone like you're not thinking about rule discrepancies like yeah if i landed outside that wall i'd be like oh, okay it's out yeah the only thing that like might have been like a hint is that there wasn't a string or anything other than the wall yeah so the wall was the wall hard, a complete circle or no i think it was like a half circle yeah so it, was, it, it covered the water's edge yeah but it wasn't i don't know if i've ever seen a situation where like the wall itself is the defining line 
Really? Isn't uh, there the, one? The wall's like on the defining line, but normally they have like a. At Waco? Isn't that on hole one at Waco? Is that wall the defining line? Which side? Right or left? Right down the hill. Oh, Waco. Um, like they throw that forehand But I think in. that's what I'm saying. I think it's marked as well. Like I okay. think it has string or paint or. You might be right. Something. Yeah. That, don't quote me on that one. But to me, it seems like there's normally some other form that's a little bit clearer because a wall can be unclear or bumped or a disc can like spike into it or whatever. Yeah. A number of things. That's a whole other topic. Like what should be the universal OB marking? (laughs) String, paint, walls. As long as it's clear, I don't care. Yeah. I think, well. I don't like stakes. I'll I'll say that. Because I think a stake, unless, mm, because I mean, I guess what I was about to say goes the same with walls. I don't like something that can affect a shot to where like if you're skipping back in and you hit a stake. Well, I don't think it's a problem as long as the stakes are far enough apart to where it's very rare. Yeah. I guess the wall is a different thing because it's, like the a, walls are like a physical The obstacle. strings that are like tight to the ground is probably the most accurate OB line we can get. Yes. For sure. Yeah. The the string or I mean the paint as well. Yeah, but paint can be tough. The paint you just have to you have to define inside or outside edge yeah. of the paint. Paint's not bad. Paint, I like paint, I like string. I just don't like anything that's sticking up out of the ground, I don't think as the defining line because that just brings into too many variables where it I just brings the, in gimmicky unluck. The point of that though is like on certain holes to make sure you can see where the OB is off your tee shot. I don't mind flags. Uh, like true. painting the line using yeah, flag because if flags. a disc hits a flag, it skips into a flag, it's going, Past it's not it, really yeah. stopping. It. That's valid. Um, I just don't like like a physical like, like big wood, wood stake. stake where yeah. if a disc skips into it, sorry buddy, if you were two inches farther, you're fine. Yeah, it's kind of an aesthetic thing too, though. Imagine the USDGC just looking like one big underground dog collar fence because it just <laughs> flags everywhere. Uh, that's valid. I don't know. That it could just be. I've never heard players complain about it. No, I just hate when I hate when you see someone throw what was gonna be a decent shot, hit a stake or something, and just be like, I think it happens more on the kidding other me? side though, more often where they get, get saved, saved by in. the stake. That happens too. So maybe it all evens out. Anyways. But, Regardless, that was a very confusing situation, and I don't blame him at all. I don't either. I don't really. It's, it's just a bummer. That the, it sucks, but at the end of the day, it does come back to technically being Simon slash the card's fault that that happened. And he never complained about it. He posted no. a video of it the next, like the next day, with a little heart emoji as the <laughs> caption, which is just hilarious. Um, but he he never really like complained about it. Came after the pro tour, or whatever. Probably because he knew like. The sign says Ponzo B. I should have read it. But yeah. in the heat of the moment, who's reading that? I wouldn't have. No. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have either. I probably would have done the exact same thing Simon Lazat did. Oh, I know I would have. No doubt. Yeah. And so. I would have. But yeah, it's just unfortunate. And I think that's another thing where stuff needs to be clear. And it could have been that when they put the Pro Tour wall up, that was the water's edge. And the water receded. Also valid. Who knows? There's no way to know. No way. We never will. Regardless, super unlucky, no matter how you look at it, and unfortunate that he ended up taking a six when he should have technically had a putt at a two. Yeah, that's a bummer. That's brutal. Um, I don't know how much that actually affected. What Simon, mm. he wasn't really in the running, but it, he, it definitely would have moved him spots. Oh, well, yeah, sure. And it might have changed his momentum because he was two down, I think, going to that hole. A few down. He was tied with the lead on his card going into the hole. It could have changed things. It could have. Because, I mean, Simon realistically, you know, he knows that course so well that 
if he was feeling good, he he had a shot at the title. But I mean, something like that, just a momentum killer. Sure. So, yeah. and the final one, probably the least controversial at all, but also one of the more confusing, kind of ones intriguing. Yeah, is Garrett Gerthy Double G's scoring error. So a scoring error normally is simple. You know, it's the player's fault. They didn't check their paper scorecard. They turned it in. What's done is done. But what's weird about right now is because of COVID, there's no paper scorecards. Yep. So UDISC is the official, UDISC Live is the official scorecard. Mm-hmm. From my understanding, there's like an assigned UDISC scorekeeper. Um, a volunteer. Yeah, a volunteer Not a or the card. a caddy. I, I did it when I was out with uh, doing media at Idlewild. Yeah. I did it for Brody's card um, one round. But... Um, I'm not sure because that, you know, I was media. It was, that's a weird situation. There was no caddies out there. So there wasn't a caddy doing it. So it almost had to be a volunteer or it could have been someone on the card. Right. But regardless, it was all on UDISC. So why that's important is you never really check UDISC for the math because UDISC isn't going to mess up the math. And it didn't here. So I think it makes players kind of lackadaisical. And yeah. I have you at a 53, which I know is a 53 is not what happened at Maple Hill. But yeah. have you at a 53? Okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's right. Whatever. Um, but what had actually happened was on a whole, I believe Garrett took a two and yeah. they gave him a three. They gave him a par instead of a birdie. Yeah. So they gave him a par instead of a birdie. So it was one stroke worse than what he actually and shot. And probably was just a simple mistake. Like probably just forgot to add it on or whatever yeah. happened. So it was one stroke worse than what Garrett actually shot. So what ended up happening is somehow this was found out and then Garrett's score was a change to be correct so one stroke better and then assess the two stroke penalty mm-hmm. so it ended up being one stroke worse than what the score was posted yeah it's not a huge swing but no. interesting it, for a couple reasons because obviously a garrett Gerthy cannot be suspected of anything fishy because he was given a worse stroke yeah b i the volunteer there's not a chance he did it on purpose either i'm saying like i'm sure it was an awesome mistake because yeah yeah so the only real question is how was this mistake caught? Yeah, how the heck did because, this happen? Well, people knew about it. Like people were posting about it on the Reddit because they could see the U disc live and they were watching it live. So they then when they went up, they were like, Well, that didn't just happen. He made a birdie. Like, why is he not giving a birdie for that? So like I'm sure within a reasonable amount of time of it happening, like the T D people on the course knew what happened probably. People were probably reaching out, be like, Hey, this is wrong. But when are you're not allowed to consult like that i don't think for no. scoring well because of and the whole reason is so the pdga rule is you cannot use video evidence of any kind to make the decision on a rules call now technically if someone in the live chat messaged dodge or messaged an official yeah. or someone on the card or something that's not really using well, the video. the person in the chat was, but the person who got the it yeah. from them was. I'm thinking, I'm thinking it probably was just a bunch of people said stuff, and then they so it they became aware of it, and they thought, well, we have to do something about it. But I think they were like, regardless see, of what where, the rules say, that we just got to change this or it's a bad look. But it's still illegal, I think, for them to change it. I don't think they cared, or maybe they justified it in some way that bends. Well, okay, the. Rule. the we also don't know how it got turned in. It could have been as simple as Garrett walking back to Steve Dodge and being like, hey, you know, I turned my score in, but it's wrong. I, I, I shot yeah, this. Also true. And, you know, he just owned up to his mistake and then they corrected it and took a 
Yeah, because he probably, I mean, he could have been where he saw, like, well, this isn't really going to dock me. He's going to dock me a stroke. Yeah. So whoop-de-doo. He, so that's the perfect world. Is yeah. He walked back up or something like that and was like, hey, I noticed this after I already turned my scorecard in. First off, no matter what, it eventually falls back into Double G's lap that it was his fault because you are solely responsible for making sure your scorecard's correct before it gets turned in. Mm-hmm. So no matter how the dice... The thing can, is, yeah, you're not going rem- to forget a birdie either. No. And so no matter how the cake gets cut, it, mm-hmm. it falls back into Double G's lap. But I do think it's interesting that like... My, my biggest question is, let's say that it wasn't Double G that came back and said... My score's wrong. It should be a stroke better. The touring pros know if they do that, they're getting two strokes worse. If he noticed it, Double G's probably the type of guy that came back and said it. But let's say he didn't notice it. And it was from the live chat. Then if it's from the live chat or something along those lines, if your card isn't being filmed, the call doesn't get made. So that's why, that's the whole point of why the PDGA has the rule that video evidence can't be used because we're not at the point where every card has cameras on it. Right. Makes sense. And once we get to... Because I think in the, the PGA video evidence can be used, right? Mm, I don't think it can. Because I thought... I've heard... I feel like I've heard stories of... Not every shot's getting filmed out there. But I've heard stories of people calling in... That has... But see, that happened... That actually happened on the LPGA tour. Um, it was... Somebody called in... Because it was Lexi Thompson, and this was like a pivotal moment in this tournament. I think it may have lost it for her. She mismarked her ball, so marked it a little bit too far in front. She probably didn't even try to do it, okay? But in any case, she mismarked her ball. Somebody called in from TV, and they ended up calling her on it. And people were furious about it. And I am not sure on the exact rule. But I, I want to say it's that you can't use video evidence, and that's why people were in uproar because it's almost the same thing where the PGA or LPGA didn't use video evidence, but this person that called it in did. So, like, how, where does that line it, get? Well, in? if the PGA has the thing where you can't use video evidence, there's no way that call should go through. It was sketchy. It was really sketchy. Because so stuff like that is why I always thought the PGA because I, I feel like I've heard it more than once, but that's why I feel like the PGA does use video, video evidence. But regardless, the PDGA, clear as day, you can't. You can't as a TD. Like, as a TD, I've had players... You can't use picture evidence either. Yeah. Because I've had players come up and try to show me a picture of their lie, and I'm like... Don't even show it to me. I'm like, I technically can't look at that. Yeah, I mean, I face. can look at it, but I can't have that be affecting right. my decision. You just have to verbally tell me what happened, like, tell you your result. Um, so if that happened... And I can't find anything posted on how it got figured out. I couldn't either. So... To me, like the likely scenario is that that's what happened. That they saw all this chatter, you know, whatever, and then we're like, well, you know, it's public knowledge that his score is wrong. We have to change it. Right. But you can't. I think they just did it and didn't really think anything else through. So maybe, but man, that's unfortunate. Um, and I don't know how I feel. You know, again, I wish we knew how it got brought up. I'm saying at the end of the day, with all these rules. The um, the PDGA Pro Tour, Steve Dodge, all these people are so lucky that none of this affected the tournament. Yes, realistically, like all four of them, what if all four of them would have been like huge? Like all these people would have been like in very important situations, and things could have gone other ways. Like they're very lucky. Yeah, because these are like low key talking points, 
and they could have been like major talking points. Yeah, they could have been huge stories. So. Each one of them could have technically cost the person the tournament. Right. If it if the cards were dealt out a different way. So I think this this tournament is a great learning experience for a, a player knowing hey, I need to really know my rules going into a tournament as like a casual tournament player or whatever. But I think it's also a big learning point for the Pro Tour slash PDGA of like, well, what do we do to make sure stuff like this doesn't happen? Just gotta, I think you just gotta be a lot more careful. I mean, there's only 18 holes in the course. Like, how hard is it to like very carefully look at each hole? Yeah, I think I, that's all. It, that's all it takes is you just gotta look at each hole very carefully and be like, where could there see, be? See, I would like a problem. I would like more officials non-biased officials just out there yeah well non-biased that's a word that doesn't exist i guess in disc golf is too small yeah i mean i but like i don't know i think bias is always going to exist but i see what you're saying just someone who isn't really affiliated with the pro tour isn't affiliated just like as a a tournament official yeah somebody that's not in the heat of the round competing like that should to me that should be one of the volunteer spots at every pro tour is like and you can take the certified official exam 10 minutes you can take it as many times as you want so yeah. to me it'd be like hey you have to be a certified official to play in national tours and majors and stuff like that we will pay for your certified official exam if you will come this weekend and be a certified official for us and you stake one every few holes you had they have a badge on or something that says certified official and they have a radio yeah i mean we had those in high school golf well, yeah, golf always has it i feel like I've never played I'm in just tournaments, saying, I'm just but saying, like PGA, yeah, like even at like lower level competitive golf, because like, like PGA tour tournaments, they're always calling over an yeah, official. Golf like, rules, disc golf, ball golf, whatever, they're confusing sometimes. Yeah, so like and it's important to have a clear head that can. Well, that's the tough them. part. Is like a lot of at least in disc golf, I don't know PGA rules good enough to speak to that, but at least in disc golf, there's a lot of. We talked about this last week. A lot of like little gray areas where well, it's like the decisions, you know. Like yeah, there's, so there's that it, rules, and there's like a few rules, and then it's decisions, and there's like a million of them. That's how it is in yeah. PGA, and that's well. where it's up to the card, and you know, it's whatever. But I think that's where someone who isn't on the card doesn't have any stake in the game with the tournament, yeah, can come in and be like, okay, well, look, Paul, yes, you went OBD, but you're according to the caddy book that every player got, which that's the end all be all you know when you're in a tournament if you've never played in a tournament if you're given a caddy book unless the td changes that caddy book during the players meeting that is the official rule of the tournament period so whatever that caddy book says that is what you go by so when you're there if the td comes up and says oh man i wrote that wrong in the caddy book this is how you have to play it no because everyone was given the caddy book it yeah. doesn't matter that the td's there to change the ruling which that normally doesn't happen. That didn't happen here. But to me, that is where an official could have, should have stepped in. Paul could have argued it all he wanted, much like Dodge did, but he st- stands your ground. Yeah. You know, you're OB in water. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. This is what the caddy book says. This is how, you know, it, it lays out. This is how you have to play it. You can play the provisional and be smart like Paul did and appeal to it later. But, you know, I, I still just, I don't know if that should have been reversed. That's definitely what I keep going not, back to. Definitely not. Just got to know when to put your foot down. Uh, it's it's an interesting situation for sure. And it's weird that all of this happened at the one tournament. Because like... I haven't seen much of it until now. No. Well, like the, the only one to me that was really caused by a T sign not being clear. Or like a caddy book not being clear is hole eight. 
Yeah, the other the ones other ones like Simon's. Yeah, it's unfortunate, and yeah, maybe the ad wall shouldn't have been there. But the T sign says Pond is OB. So mm-hmm. like, if you read the T sign, you know, oh, I'm not OB. Yeah, and, and like then a, the other that, ones are just and yeah, with Simon's too. Rules. Like you always have the option to play a provisional. But I mean, if you're playing a provisional, I just don't know. What, like, I, if I'm in Simon's shoes, yes, I like now that I look at it, I know the rules. Pond's OB. There's no way I'm calling it provisional. Even if I no, saw I, my disc. I still wouldn't have. No, yeah. I wouldn't have. Even if I saw my disc, I'm taking a meter off. But what yeah. you said about the cheating thing is, <laughs> yeah. I never thought through that side. You know, no one in disc golf is going to call it because the guy already, yeah, he's already taken so many penalty strokes he didn't Well, yeah, need. and the hole was played as if that was OB. Like, I think everybody agreed that way, so. Misplay of a hole is like two more strokes, I think. Yeah, I mean, nobody was going to tag that on when it didn't no. matter. Um, a misplay has occurred if players fail to complete every hole of the course correctly in a proper order. Um, if a misplay is discovered after the scorecard has been turned in and a player receives two throw penalty. So he could have got a two throw so penalty. So he technically could have had an eight on that Both, hole. yeah, both for not. I mean, I no, I guess it would have just been. It would have just been the For taking meter the relief off in the wrong direction. And not playing from his lie. Right. Technically. Yeah. There's a lot in there. Yeah. Uh, that is very interesting. Um, again, no one, you know, that to me, that would go against the spirit of disc golf, like the spirit of the game part of the rules. Whoa. Well, it would because like the guy's already been messed up. So who's, you'd have to be Nobody a real would. big jerk to be like, I'm oh, calling not it only that, Simon. <laughs> Misplay. <laughs> like yeah. you'd have to be a next no. level jerk to call that. Nobody, but, yeah, nobody felt like they were like being gypped as he's taking his relief off of his fake OB. Yeah, <laughs> no one's sitting there going, "Oh my what? god, he took a six. Like if he would have played it correctly, buddy, he might have had a two. So yeah. no one's gonna do that. He already got way more than his two stroke penalty by accidentally doing that. But if you want to get super technical about the rules, that might have been able to be tagged on there. Coulda. So hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. I know it's a little bit more. Uh, I don't want to say boring, but technical, nerdy. Yes, if you technical. want to, if you want to go that deep route, dive uh, then we normally talk about. But I mean, I felt like all these storylines we had to bring up, and there wasn't really much to agree or disagree on, other than the if your name wasn't Paul, do you get that call? I mean, you you could oh, debate that's that. Catchy. Oh, is that the title? <laughs> if your name wasn't Paul, do you get that call? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> um, but some foundation news. We do have the Discraft Hades dropping tomorrow. If you're listening to this the day it comes out. That's not it. <laughs> September 18th. What? And that's not all oh, we've got. No. Well, that's all we got dropping tomorrow. Well, oh, yeah. We have t-shirts that probably went on the site today. Uh, it's really hard because we're shooting this in advance. So <laughs> it's really yeah. hard to figure out these dates. The shirts... I'm going to try to get the shirts will either be up. Well, yeah, no, if you're watching this on Thursday, they will, they will be up either at the time you're watching this or later. Yeah. Yes. So they should be up today. Yes. Um, we'll make a post about that, at least in the discord. If you're not in the discord yet, discord is.com or dot GG. Not even sure. Slash foundation disc golf, whatever it is. You, I think you can actually search our server now. Yes. On discord. We're on the so that's pretty cool. Now. So if you yeah. go on discord, you can actually search foundation disc golf and it'll come up. Um, and outside of that, we also have just gotten confirmation that we're getting a pretty decently sized Discraft restock. It yes. feels like Christmas over here at Foundation. Um, a lot of discs. Not sure if that's coming in Friday or Monday, but regardless, it'll be up next week. And if you're following us on Instagram, Facebook, all of that, you will hear about it. Um, Discord is typically the, the first to hear. Um, and Patreon gets an extra heads up. Yes. Uh, is the exact time that stuff goes online. So 
If I mean, I don't know if that restock might be like a staggered. Like it might not be. Yeah, like it might all, be phased in. Like it'll probably be like. Realistically, it'll probably be like Tuesday if if we get it in Monday, and it'll probably like slowly go in through that afternoon into the night. Yeah, so into midnight. Probably Tre- Trevor will be sleeping here. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a late one. <laughs> <laughs> the final news that I almost just said because I said Trevor's gonna be sleeping here on our couches. We're getting them. (laughs) We're getting couches, and we're going to be hopefully tomorrow, possibly, but hopefully at least by next week, you will be seeing us if you watch this, if you listen to us. Sorry, um, we'll sound the same. But if you see us, if you're watching this on YouTube, we'll be in a new podcast set. Same same place. We'll be here. Just we'll be in this corner right back here, and we'll both be on couches. Hopefully have a TV mounted behind us, be able to pull up some visuals, stuff like that. Um, I'm pretty excited for it. Same. So we'll see how well it turns out because we've got Chip and Joanna Gaines here going to have to put this thing together, but um, we'll, we'll see what it looks like. I feel like it's going to look fine, though. I'm pretty excited. Chippy. All right. Other than that, uh, we will talk to you guys next week. <laughs>